We're on page six in our book. We made a close. You know this this book is about what's going on in a, in America now. This this is not a book about what's going to happen. It's, it's some of it will is going to happen, but majority of it's about what's going on now. And once we get deeper into the book, and he starts going through these different gods, you're going to be able to look and say. Well, I can see that, or I know I see that's happening. But I wanted to go through some stuff, some some current events with you this morning. To, it, that goes along with the book. Can Cody, Colby, you may have to help me. I've been having technical difficulty this morning here. All right, let's see if we'll play. This is from State of Illinois. twenty twenty three. The following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second degree murder, drug induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights. And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. As of January 1st, 2023, the following things are going to affect and people need to be aware of this. That's, that's in Illinois. Um, but he never give the first part of it. Basically, if you get commit a crime in Illinois, they're not going to hold you. If you kidnap, if you murder, if you rape, they're going to go before the judge, they're just going to turn you loose. You're not going to hold anybody anymore. Um, you know, and, and, and the part of our book is, is talking about, you know, how, how what was wrong is now right and what is right is now wrong, how upside down uh, thing, things are becoming. And well, I'll go ahead and show you this next one and then, then we'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it as you see it. Because you've heard about this. Remember when the Affordable Care Act first came out? There was a big thing about death panels, mm -hmm. and then everybody denied, no, 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 we don't, they're not death panels, but they didn't tell you the truth, the truth now it's coming out. Uh, what's a death panel? Well, they're going to decide, well, you 80 years old, and this treatment, the cost of this treatment is more than we think your quality of life would be after we give it to you, so we're going to deny you the treatment and let you die out uh, to save cost. Because the whole, the whole thing about the Care Act is to make it a one-payer system. That's the reason the insurance went crazy. You know, most if you go out by insurance now, it's just catastrophic insurance. It's not really health insurance anymore, uh, you know, unless you have a, a company that you work for. You know, it just, because you have those $8,500, deductibles, all this kind of stuff. But it's designed to get it so absorbent, just like they're trying to do with gas now, make the cost so absorbent that the government has to take it and everybody get on the government health care system. That's, that's the whole thing uh, that, that's driving it. But you see, <coughs> but see here, Canada is already invoking it, if I can get back to it. 
There we go. See, but, but, but think about Canada. They went a step further than us. The patient don't, can't even consent to it in Canada. They just don't do it. <coughs> so, so like the family members and nobody has a say in it? Mm -hmm. if, they did, if they deem the treatment is too expensive and the quality of life you would get from Like if you're 85 years old, 90 years old, you know, and, and you're in bad health and, and, and you know, and to say you need open heart surgery, they're going to say, for the length of time you're going to get from this surgery is not worth it, we're going to deny it. You just live out your life till you die. So, again, it goes back to what we, what this book is saying about what's going on in the in the United States. Is, is, and you'll see, I feel that he's already read the whole book. It's going it's to hit home, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the book is, I don't, I've, I've read several books through these classes, but one that is, this is just very accurate, what he's, what he's depicting and what's going on is just, just very accurate. All right, so we're on page six. Now, we, we, we got the, some more books in. Did anybody not have a book? Anybody need a book? Everybody, everybody here got one? Okay. All right, let's go to uh, 2 Timothy. I want to kind of lay a, a foundation. I was going to do this last week, and I got sidetracked in what I was talking about. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because everything we do, we, we want to back up in the in the Bible. But there's a guy named Rick Renner. It's a Greek, he's a Greek scholar. Um, and, and he was doing some talking this week uh, about this verse uh, in, in the Greek and what it means. And, and, and he just laid really into today. So I'm going to use, use some of his in this and, and show you what, what it says here. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we have verse 1. Did I, did I not say 2 Timothy? Did I say 2 Timothy 3 and 1? All right. I had to get used to people on these phones. I, I look at people turning pages. They all dabbing on the phone. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So we, we see here, I want to look at several of these words in there. It says, this know also, or, or understand this, that in the last days. Now, that that's a Greek word called eschantos. And it means the last of the last. You know, we've been hearing, anybody's been around church, or you had a, especially had a grandma saved, that, you know, we're in the last days, Jesus is coming, you better be ready, Jesus is coming. But you know, if you read Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, the day of Pentecost, that officially started the last days. Okay? But now where we're at in this time frame is the last of the last days here. Um, we, we, we've done this several times, but I'll just refresh your memory. You know, God gave Adam a, a, a 7,000 year lease on this earth. He had 4,000 years from Adam to Jesus. And now from Jesus to us, we've had 2,000 years. And then you have the thousand-year millennial reign. We are caught in this little sliver of time between the two thousand years has ran out in the millennial reign. We, we're caught in this pressure. We're in this pressure cooker in this time that everything that's unfulfilled and undone in the Bible for the last days has to be compacted in this in this sliver of time that that we're in. And, and so th th this word here here last. 
means it's the last of that. There's no more time remaining. This is it. The time has has ran out. You know, you heard people talk about, you know, the ship has sailed. You know, the ship has sailed. You know, the time time has sailed to its final port. We, we, we're out. There, there is no more extension of this. There is no more time. This is the last days. That's what he's talking about here, that word last. It says, Know this also, that in last days perilous times shall come. And that's another interesting Greek word. The word perilous means menacing times, uncontrollable times, unpredictable times. So you could say, now there is no more time. We're in this uncontrollable, unpredictable period in, in the earth here. But it goes on to say that, know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And that means in, in the Greek that will be difficult to bear. So what was all to say? Let's put it together. And I, I, I ain't never wrote a Bible, but I wrote this verse. So this will be Vic 1 and 1, right? It says, so understand this, that when time has sailed to its final port and is no more, menacing, uncontrollable, unpredictable times that will be difficult to bear shall come. That's what that word means. So if you look at what's going around in this in the earth, you see that. But he goes on here, and I just want to point out a few words in verses 2 and 3. He says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. This is where I think we start seeing ourselves. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truth breakers. They'll lie to you. Just, it's just all the time. False accusers. We see that. And let's jump to verse 13 here. And I'll tie a bow on this and we'll get started this morning. Because he goes through all this from verse 1 to verse 12. And then in verse 13, remember, and I wanted to get this verse 13 because we brought, we talked about last week, you know, the the, the thing that the, the liberals do is, is they tell a lie long enough till it becomes the truth. Where everybody thinks that it's right, that thinks that it's true, that thinks that it's okay. You know, we talked last week, we've seen that with, with gay marriage, we've seen that with abortion. It's just become common. We've talked about it so much till people's consciousness has, has died back to it. It says here in verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now it says here shall wax worse and worse. And you read, you read that in, in, in the... Everybody knows it just was written in Greek and then we translated it to English. So, but if you read the Greek New Testament, this is what it's, it says here about waxing worse and worse. It says society will lose its moral bearings. Would that be a true statement? Society shall, will lose its moral bearings. It will lead... They have been led off track morally. It also depicts a nation that has deviated from its solid path it once walked on. That would be a We have deviated from the solid path we once walked on. So it says, shall, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving many and being deceived. That word deceived there is talking about a reprobate person, a reprobate mind. And the Greek says this about a reprobate mind. 
a mind that has been so inundated with false information that it has modified the mind to believe and think wrongly and they have bought into the lies themselves. This is what we're talking about. A reprobate mind is they've been so inundated with this false information, climate change, abortion, gay marriage, <clears throat> till it has warped their thinking and they believe. When you got the guy, the head, one of the heads of the CDC says before Congress and argues that men can have babies, we think that's the ultimate in stupidity. But when you read this verse about being reprobate, do they have they have talked about it and thought about it and looked at it until they have convinced themselves that this is reality and this is true. See? So I just, when I was look at the book and I look at the news and I look at America and I look at these verses, I just kind of, you know, you, you, you see how, how really true what he's saying here is, is, is happening in, in our nation. Uh, one more verse. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And this will get us on our book. Any, anybody got any comments, anything on that? You know, this is not a lecture. This is a discussion. I still say we used to lock that mess up. You need to do what? You know, that, like that dude on the city, he said, we used to lock that mess up and keep them in the room by themselves for a while. Oh, yeah. You know, we used to mess with it. Anybody act like that or talk like that, we just... But, but, but people that, you know, the normal, I call them working class people. The normal working class people and that elite group of wealthy people and politicians, they are so detached from, from normal life. We look at it like that's the craziest thing. But in their realm, that's reality. That's what they believe, you know. But when, when you get down the highway, how could anybody ever get that turned around? You know, you live on a farm. You you ain't never seen two bulls together. You ain't never seen two cows together. You know, you just you know it's and, and it just don't make sense to us. But when you re when you read about what a reprobate mind is that they've they've so been so inundated with that information that they believe it's so, and now you can't convince them that it's not so. I'm just interested to see if things happen Tuesday for the election like looks like they're going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot of violence come come Tuesday night into Wednesday. I, I just think that they're going they're going to do what they they always do, you know, when they don't get their way. But we, we'll see. Ephesians six and twelve. I don't want to turn this into political. Ephesians six and verse twelve it says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness of this world." against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's what the book is talk is going to talk about. And he's setting us up with all the, with, with, with all this prelim stuff about the levels, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. The rulers of darkness is the ones that actually possess people. That's what they are. All right. And spiritual wickedness in high places, like in our government and in Wall Street and these these universities. Uh, this that's where this is going. Okay. Page six, we were at the we stopped at that second par uh, that last paragraph down there. And I said in this introductory chapter, we we're doing a little bit more reading than I, than I want to read, but it's it's hard to find a place you can skip to get the meaning of what he's going to do later. Uh, good morning, Mason.
We're on page page six um, in our in our book here. It says here in, in that bottom paragraph, to gain dominion over the modern world, they could not appear as they had in ancient times. They had to do something different. But there was still a remnant of those who worshipped them and called them by name. They were on the fringe. The modern mind, the modern mind, the gods did not exist, and few would serve them if they believed they did. So the gods came back in disguise. They altered their appearances. They took on new identities. They gave themselves new names. They came as spirits of entitlement, freedom, power. They came as secular gods, new gods, alternate gods, gods that granted godhood, gods that denied they were gods, and gods that declared there were no gods, and they came as gods in the modern world. So we started seeing that last week when we talked about how, how society changed in the 60s and how we started doing our own thing and getting away from God and taking God out of everything, then we created this vacuum that let the, these, these demonic spirits start, start filtering back into society. Okay? The uh, second to the last paragraph on page 7, and then the page, and then in the next part, he's finally going to get started here. So are the gods, so the gods now dwell among us. They inhabit our institutions, walk the halls of our governments, cast votes in our legislatures, guide our corporations, gaze out from our skyscrapers, perform on stage, and teach in our universities. They saturate our media, direct our news cycles, inspire our events, and give voices to our songs. So the, the scriptures we just read in, in 2 Timothy, Corley just, just right into that. And if you look at society today, how things have been twisted we, we, we can see this in our, in our institutions, in our government, and in, in all these places. Here. It says, They incite new movements, new ideologies, and convert others to their end. They instruct our children, initiate them in their ways. They incite the multitudes. They drive otherwise rational people into irrationality and some into frenzies, just as they had did in ancient times. Okay? Let's go to part two now. We're going to start seeing these things. Well, these first four or five chapters, he's going to introduce us to all these different, like I said, the Bible, call, he calls them gods here because they were in Greek mythology, but he's talking about these demonic spirits and all. Well, what's to me, like what's, what's scary is, is knowing that it's demonic spirits and then that very last little sentence couple sentences right there, you know, where on that on page seven where it says the gods are everywhere, they have committed our culture, they have mastered our civilization, and then that last sentence says the gods are here. That's that's kind of the, the, the scary part is you know, he's letting us know that you know, they're they're here and pretty much ain't nothing we can do about it. Yeah, they they hear and like we talked about last week, from our from the church or the Christians in I won't say this politely. By us sitting on the sidelines and, and arguing about separation of church and state, not getting involved in our government, has left this vacuum for them to come in and take over everything. You know, and, and we see it. You know, like we said, you know, you know, we keep saying, you know, what was wrong? This is what what this prophecy is saying. What was wrong is now right, and what used to be right is now wrong. See, and we see it everywhere. Everything is flipped. Everything is up. But that's what the word, we, we talked about it before, the word evil means. That word evil don't mean 
you know, sinners going to hell, it means twisted. Twisted in your thinking. Just like wicker furniture. You know, wicked. You know, this, you, you, the thinking is twisted in, in our culture, you know. But it started, like we said, here. the vacuum started back when when we started getting these types of professors and, 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 and people in our institutions and they took over the education and now we're on the second and third generation of kids that have, have come up you know, hearing about atheism, hearing about abortion, hearing about gay marriage, and now to, to, this, to the generation below us, it's just common thing. Nobody looks at it anymore and thinks that anything's wrong with it or anything ought to be changed about it, see? And, and, and like the first chapter said, you know, they had to come in in, in small increments, you know. When, when, when Roe v. Wade was passed, nobody ever thought it would lead to what we talked about last week, you know, a, a botched abortion, the baby comes out alive and they dump him in a cooler of ice to kill him. You know, we, we never thought, that, that never was the intent because at, at that point in the 70s, society would have never stood for anything like that, right? Everybody would have rebelled and went crazy and, you know, our morals wouldn't have led us. But by continuation of little increments, they've lowered our moral standards until now anything goes. We don't even know what a difference in a, in a man and a woman no more, you know? Do you think that was the, the goal in the beginning or has it kind of slowly as we as different progressive movements has it? Has there been a driving force to drive it that way through mm -hmm. government or has it just as, okay, they took this little bit and now people want this? Or has it always been there to get to that goal? What Satan's goal is to destroy everybody. The more, he, the more pain he can cause God, that's his job, is how much pain he can cause God. You know, uh, but, but like we said before, you know, these spirits, Christianity drove all these Greek gods out. You know, and Christianity took over the world. But then when we started doing away with God in countries and institutions and begin and in that vacuum there's in the spiritual world there's no there's gonna be a va there's gonna be a force, good or bad. If the good don't occupy it, the bad will. And it just kept little by little by little just kept kept. Yeah, I guess kept. I'm talking about like the secular level. Mm -hmm. The spiritual I don't know. level of course. Yeah. But I'm talking like the ones that first started this said this is where we're going to start. You know, let's see how far we can push the mm -hmm. envelope or has it, you know, been the original intent to go this far with it and leave it and then others have come along and pushed it that way. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's kind of slowly graduated up to that because I think it's like you talked about, you know, getting into professors that believe this way and then they start teaching their belief, you know, uh, to, to the teenagers and stuff like that, and, the one, and, then they, and then the teenagers are passing it on to their, you know, to their friends, and I think it just gradually, slowly, you know, kind of like having somebody on the inside, you know, mm -hmm. to, to let it go, and then, it, and then they get this person to believe what they believe, and then this person, and then all the next thing you know, you've got a, a group of people believing the same thing, that's, and... and like Brother Vic says, we as Christians, unfortunately, have sat back and done nothing about it. And next thing you know, it, it, the population is is the, the evil here, and the, and and the Christians, you know, down here as far as Christians sit back and 
Do nothing or sit back and take it. Remember the Bible said though when when evil is, is left unchecked, it just becomes more and more and more vile. See, and, and, and then it's kinda of like a snowball, see. What what you said what we talked about it the other week, you know, if you just look five years ago, the things that are happening today, if we if you were told then you said there's no way. There's no way that we won't know what a male and a female is in this country. You know, how, and then it begins to snowball, and that ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger and, and bigger and bigger, and and then that's, that's where we end up at. That's what we all assume there is an end point, but there is no end point. Chaos is, I mean, just mm -hmm. oh, well, let's talk about this then. This this will be let be, be be later on. Um, what is the end game? Satan wants to be God. That and we're just pawns in the game. The world is just pawns in the game. All right. But his fatal mistake is that he's created in the angelic level. He's not a god. There's only one god. See, so so he 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 he's trying to operate outside of his spiritual class. But his object is to call because he's already doomed. He's done. See, so his object is to cause God as much distress and hurt and every person. And his whole goal is just to 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 get you to hell. That's all. That's his goal. That's his goal is to get you to hell and many of us as he can because that's the only way he can do damage to God. But as this time runs short that we talked about, then he's picking up his gang, picking up his gang because he knows that his time is out, see, and that it's over. And so all this has to happen in a hurry and take place in a hurry. And the Bible says what? If you're not careful, even the very elect will be deceived. People that say they're Christians will be deceived. And we see in that start filter into the churches, you know, start to marry gays and say, you know, all this stuff, you know, that abortion is okay. We start to see that creep in. Why? Because you got people teaching theology and not teaching the Bible. See? And then that twist is that little bit of twist. So then you're the you're the pastor or the parishioner of that church. People trust in you. They put their faith in you that, that you know what you're talking about and you know what you're saying. And then when you start putting out things that don't line up biblically, well, majority of the congregation don't read the Bible anyway. So they don't know, if they, they assume it because you're saying it that it's true and that it's biblical and they take it hook, line, and sinker and then, they, then they'll begin to argue with somebody at work because their pastor said this. You know, and they have no way to back it up, you know. And like Luke said, it's a shame because, you know, I'm not asking about to raise your hand, you know, but you look at your own life. How many of y'all have read the Bible this week? How many of y'all have prayed this week? See, I mean, you're the ones that don't do that are the ones that's on the edge of getting this deception because you don't really know what the Bible says and what it don't say. See? I know that's hard, but, but we need to have that discussion. See, how, how my family and my life goes is totally up to me in this book, see. What I teach my children, what I will set as the standard in my life and in my house, and what I will put up with and what I won't put up with. See, we don't really have those standards in families no more. I almost went to preaching, didn't <laughs> But it's the truth, and that's how we got where we are. When the family, uh, let's, let's, let's go back to the 50s and 60s. When the, when the family was the nucleus of the United States, we had very few problems. Right? As the family, as Satan has tore the family apart, then there's no truth. Because, you, you know, I'm not trying to say men are better women, whatever, but the, but the, the, the layout is that the, the father is the spiritual leader of the household. See? And if he don't fulfill his role, then that vacuum is there. So who's going to fill that vacuum? Huh? 
things that we don't want to fill that vacuum, see? What they see on TV, what they hear, what their friends do, what they see on the video game. All of those things are going to fill that vacuum that that spiritual leader is not. Because there's certain things that a child needs from his father. There's certain things that they got to have from their mother. That's why you put them together as one. And you put two men together, they something lacking. You put two women together, they something lacking. I mean, it's just not the way it's supposed to be, you know. Kids will come to a different parent based on what mine come to me when they want something. They go to mama with everything else. <laughs> it's not true. Huh? Not true. <laughs> Tell them, Phil, when the youngest come to you, they like this, ain't they? Yep. Pad my palm, please, sir. Pad. And we just say, okay, here, just take the whole thing. And the Family counseling will begin at 12. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you may have two that do that. Mm-hmm. But we magically want to fix this by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. We think it'll, just, it'll go away. But, that, but that's been the game plan for 30 years, 40 years, and it hasn't worked. But it has to happen. Mm-hmm. It has we to happen. Fix, we can't fix it. We cannot fix it. For, 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 for Jesus to come back, all this has to happen. And that's what we kept talking about, you know, earlier. In, in, in previous weeks is this has to happen but we have certain that's what we got in that Psalms 91 study you know should be reading that's where we that we get our protection and our help is from believing this instead of the world and then, then we have an outlet for us and our family all these things have to happen you know and we haven't even got to the pestilence and the earthquakes and the famines and, and all those other things that, that, that are in the prophecy. We're just talking about twisted society right now, you know. But then you start compounding it with these natural disasters and things and then that, that makes it even even worse. But because even though it's supposed to ha- all this has got to happen, he didn't expect us to sit back and do nothing while it happened. That's right, that's right. And, and I think... Me as a father, that's where I'm lacking mm-hmm. at. Is I'm not fulfilling my duties as a as a husband, as a father. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can say I'm one of the ones that that well, I'm one of the ones that sat back and and, and you know does nothing. Well, I, we all are. I mean, we all get to this. I mean, they just you. Know, it's just <clears> the it's just the fact that that's where we as Christians, me as a father, need to stand up and say, you know what? Even though this is supposed to happen. I ain't got to be okay with it. And, and you don't have to participate in your family. Don't have to be part of right. it. I mean, it's, that's true. That's true. You know, but but we, you know, but this is where I think we as Christians miss it. And we talked about this a little bit last week because our first commandment is the love commandment. All right, and you see, you hear it all day long. You know, people bashing the president, people bashing the vice president, bashing the different leaders of our country. You totally in violation. They just we just read you don't fight against those people. It's these spirits behind them that's causing the problem. That's our fight. And for you to be in strife and to be aggravated and to be mad because one of them done something, said something, all you're doing is opening the door for the devil to come in and bring this to your doorstep because you're in violation of the Word. See, when you're in violation of the Word, you know, then, then we have to get, everything has a cause and effect, see. You have to remember, don't be mad at those people. See, forgive those people, love those people, pray for them. That's what the Bible says. First of all, you go read it in 2 Timothy. Well, it says, first of all, pray that all men may be saved. That's the first thing, first thing you pray for. Then the second thing is those that have rule over you. Because if you pray for them, the Bible says, then there'll be peace. See, you pray. See, your vote, <clears throat> and, and I learned this uh, a long time ago. 
everything is a seed. Every word you say, your action you have, everything you do is a seed. <clears throat> See, and we, we talked about this in financial class. When you complain about your taxes, then you have no seed to change your government. You should look at those taxes as a seed for better government. Then you have a spiritual right. See, same thing with your vote. <clears throat> if you don't vote, you need to shut up. That's just, just need to shut up. Because God instructed you to vote, right? All right, now the guy you vote, you're going to vote based on what he tells you to do. See, that is your spiritual seed in to your life not having to put up what everybody else's life has put up with. You vote for the person he tells you to vote for. Don't worry about if they're going to win or lose. See, when you're obedient to God, then we get up under that canopy in Psalms 91 like we talked about. See, we're in obedient to God. We've left the door for Him to help us regardless of what goes on outside of us. See, but we always want to vote for somebody we like or what the program we think they're going to do. And, and that's not how we're supposed to vote. We're supposed to spend a little bit of time in prayer saying, God, who do you want in office? Who is your person here? You know, And you pray for His will in this election that the people He wants, see, because what gets lost right now? All those spirit-filled people in Washington are lost in all this. We never say anything about them. But they're there. They're there. Trying to do the right thing. See, but they're overshadowed by all this other, see. See, but we need more of those like people up there, you know, that that, that believe the Bible. You got Michelle, uh, I don't know, mine's blank. Anyway, the Blackburn lady from Tennessee. I could name a dozen of them that, that, that you know, that are tongue talkers, spirit-filled people that are up in government. Uh, you know, so that, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what your vote is, see. And then when things not start going, you know, say, hey, I ain't participating in the high gas price. I'm not participating in inflation. I may have to pay the prices for it, all right? But it don't have to affect my life. God is my supply. He will bring in the extra I need to do that. So I'm not going to stand at the gas pump and complain about Biden did this, Biden did this. See, no, the spirits behind this government did this, see whole different way of, of looking and seeing. Alright. Anybody else? A good point there, Duke. 11 minutes. 11 minutes. We need to have two hours in the school some days, don't we? Yeah. <coughs> Do what? The church from way back then, they preached brimstone and fire in the pulpit but then wouldn't motivate the church to, to do something about their the world around them. That's right. But that's a self-choice though. It's a self-choice if I decide to do something to, with mm-hmm. the people around me. <clears throat> you know, I come in here Randy preach every day of the week but then, then I could be tone deaf when I walk out the door. I could care less what my co-workers are going through, my neighbors are going through. I could care. You know, that's a personal choice if I decide to do something with the information I get. Well, but you're going to give an account. You're, right. you're going to give an account for that when you stand the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. You had this information and you've done nothing with it. Well, I'm saying maybe a misinterpretation or not knowing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, where to start. Not knowing to fight against it. Right. Or how right. to fight against it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I guess. From my understanding, the churches of the past are more brimstone and fire and being meek, and and back meek being weak, mm-hmm. not 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 our understanding of meek now, but 
meek as an interpretation of being weak back then before the understanding of now. Yeah. And they just sat back and let, let things happen versus That's right. trying mm -hmm. to actually fight against mm -hmm. things like that. Which, like, like you said, it's going to happen regardless, but, you know, maybe we would have had a little bit more of a fight and not been behind the eight ball so much now if the fight would have been brought from the beginning. I think you yeah. got to be careful, though, with those blanket statements. It's like saying that I'm responsible for slavery because they back then did this. Mm -hmm. you got to be careful with those blanket statements. The church was weak. The church didn't do this. But I tell you what, you know, one thing that attracted me to this church, and, and, and this is big talking, I think this is a mistake that, that the church, not a church, but the global church has made. We've been so interested, which is a good thing, <laughs> getting people saved. But we've done a really poor job of teaching them how to live. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is in a nutshell what you're trying to say, that, that getting saved is, is the biggest part of it. I'm not knocking anything about that. But learning how to live this life, you know, live a Christian life, what does that mean? What does that entail? What, what is that for me? I think that the church in general has done a poor job of teaching people how what this Bible says. We, we always did focus on the don'ts. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, instead of teaching people what they can do. If I t teach you what you can do, then you ain't going to want to do the stuff you ain't supposed to do. See? We just kind of did it, in my opinion, just, just backwards, you know. And this church uh, is all about teaching us how to live. You know, because we have rights in this Bible that God gave us. He, he died to give us these rights. If we know what they are, then we can stand behind this like we would if we was in a court of law. We stand behind that law and say, this is not, you can't do this to me. See? No. Y'all don't get no spam calls, do y'all? <laughs> well, I think there's always going to be, there always going to be a misinterpretation of what somebody might say about or say from the word like a preacher or something unless you get in the word yourself mm -hmm. and, and and read it for yourself and understand it yourself you, you know pray and, and ask God to, you know help me understand you know what I'm about to read if you if you don't do that and all you do is rely on the, what the preacher tells you Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night and you don't get in the word yourself that's right. There's going to come a point to where you misinterpret what he's saying. Mm -hmm. because What is said here should inspire you to want to go dig some more. Right. That's what it's about. Right. It should inspire you to want to go dig, right. dig, dig some more. But you know, what made America great is the Bible set a standard. The Bible set a standard. And it didn't matter if you were if back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, if you were saved or unsaved, that standard still dictated things you did and didn't do in your life. See, that standard, you know, that's why 95% of the people in this country, you don't need any laws for because of the standard. See, they don't, they don't violate the standard. They're self-convicted when they violate the standard. See, the laws are for 5% of the people that, 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 that won't operate by the standard, see. And that's the thing in your life. This Bible has become the standard, and then you don't need any rules in your life because when you violate the standard... Then you get that old feeling, hey, hey, it ain't. So I did something, mate. What you know? And and that's what what that's, that's what Christianity is about is learning this standard and applying this standard to our life. See, and 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 then it makes all the difference because that's what I say about voting somebody that's got good morals. They're gonna make the right decision. You don't have to know every. You know, we want to question about what you're gonna do with this, what you're gonna do with that. 
he's a, if he's a really moral person, he's going to do the right thing, whether it's popular or unpopular. Because his moral compass will make him do that, see? And if he can't, it will convict him and he'll step aside and say, I can't do this. See? And then that's what, that's what we're lacking in, in, in our government. All right. Let's at least get started on this chapter. Can't the Shedom, or the demonic powers, that's, that's the Hebrew word. He, he, I do wish he would have used demons and those kind of words instead of some of these words he uses, but he didn't. Because in some cases, this book can get, kind of get over your head. That first paragraph said, The planet of the gods. They haunted the ancient world. The fact that in the past 2,000 years, they have not been everywhere is an exception to the rule. For most our recorded history, the gods were in every land and enthroned on the pinnacle of every major culture and civilization. And he goes on through, the, through these different gods. That first god, that Enol of Sumner, was the god of air, earth, and storms. They thought that he did the storms. Of course, we know about Ra of Egypt. That's the one that, that God sent the ten plagues against, the sun god. And of course, he goes on and lists all, excuse me, all these gods here. Uh, you can look them up on your own. Uh, while I read this next paragraph, go to Matthew 8 and 28. We may not get this in, but... It says, Whenever there were people, wherever there were people, there were gods. They reigned over our nations, our cities, our cultures, our nation, over the underworld, and over the heavenlies. Their presence permeated the lives of their subjects. The people were bound to them. Now, you remember in in uh, in Daniel, you know, when Daniel prayed, uh, when 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 Michael finally got to him, he said, "You know, your prayer was heard the first day, and we were dispatched. You know, the first day, but the prince of Persia held us back. I had to call for the for the war angels to come and help me break through." To get this message to you, see, that prince of Persia is this this ruler in in high places that was over. You know, you know, you know. Then you read about Nebuchadnezzar and how evil he was, and all the things you can see the influence of this prince of Persia that was over that over Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom when when Daniel uh, was there. See, so it's what he's saying here that for, we, we've always had these. Now, you know, and then if you read into the New Testament, they call him the prince of Greece. You know. Over, over over Greece and, and Italy and those there. So so where does most of the European problem generate in that in that area right there where this guy where this spirit still resides and is still over this place. But but here you'll see this in the in the earthly realm, uh, Matthew eight and twenty eight. This is where Jesus crossed the, the, the Galilee and, and, and come to uh, Gennesaret and gets out into demonic man is there. Verse 28, and said, when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. See, these demonic filled people, these two guys control that area. See, they control that section and nobody come in, come out, <coughs> unless they told them they could. Now I want you to see this about this. So Jesus delivers the man, right? And what does he want to do? He wants to go with Jesus. Right? He says, No, I'm gonna go with you. I want to be one of your disciples. This is me you know. But that's basically what he was saying. But what did Jesus say? He said, No, you stay here. See? 
Now you change this environment that you have created. So if you read about him over in the New Testament, it's a New Testament city called Decapolis. This man is now the mayor of Decapolis. And if you read on in Matthew, when Jesus comes back sometimes later, the people, instead of telling Jesus to go away, like they did that day, they all met him at the sea with all their sick and all their invalid and all their work. Because this guy had went and spread the gospel and reversed his situation and turned everybody from that demonic oppression into to God. And now they were bringing all, they were coming to God instead of going away from God. See? And that's why he made the guy stay and wouldn't let the guy come with him because that environment, and that's what we are. See, we are soldiers in the kingdom of God. We, we're not here to live. We want life to be easy. It's never going to be easy for a Christian because you wasn't made for it to be easy. We're warriors. We're to be put in places, in businesses, in jobs, and communities that need help. And it's our job to do what this demonic man did to take that evil situation and turn it around and spread some good wherever we are. That's our job. We are ambassadors of Christ. See? We are Christ's light. That's our job. Amen. All right. We'll pick it up next week.